Postal Publishing, The Going Postal Cast, and Christopher Chapman present Incarceration, the serialized weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, go somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Chapter 30 You okay? A voice asked from out of the haze. Jason opened his eyes, trying to understand what was happening. His head hurt so badly. He could feel his heart from between his ears. Every beat of his heart brought him excruciating pain. He wanted it to be over with. At first, his vision was blurry. He could see orange, but it was spread out through his entire line of vision. He tried focusing, but found it more difficult than he would have liked. Shapes took form and the orange shrunk until it looked as it was supposed to. Rick Carlson was standing over him with a look of concern on his face. I yelled for a doctor, but nobody's coming, Rick said. You're bleeding all over the place. Jason reached back and felt that his hair was wet and sticky. He was bleeding from the back of his head. He'd fallen, but couldn't remember how it had happened. He couldn't remember how he'd wound up on the floor. Then the memories came roaring back flooding his minds with thoughts and images. The image of his father lurking in the dark stood out above all else. My dad, Jason croaked. The words barely escaped his lips. Everything hurt so goddamn much that he couldn't concentrate. Everything seemed more difficult than it should have. I saw him. Jay, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about, Rick said. I heard something, so I looked. Imagine if I would have slept through the whole thing. Damn, that's a lot of blood. He turned his head and yelled to the cell door, Would somebody get in here? All Jason could do was lie there. He had no desire to do anything else. His eyes scanned the scene. It was still dark out. He felt his body shake. He'd allowed himself to be unconscious in the dark. That was a huge mistake. The cell door opened slowly. A man in blue jeans and a t-shirt entered with a small metal case with a red cross on the side of it. What the hell happened in here? The man asked. He looked at Rick. Did you have something to do with this? No, Jason said. The man turned back towards him. I fell. Must have hit my head. Whatever, the man said, kneeling down next to Jason. Not my fucking problem if he had. The man turned out to be one of the COs who was just coming on duty. He hadn't even made it to his locker to change when the call came out for a paramedic. He answered the call when nobody else would. He must have been one of the rare good ones. He put a patch on the back of Jason's head and gave him some leave. This is the best I can give you here, he said. I can't give you anything else without taking you to the hospital. Fortunately for you, I don't think you have anything more than a mild concussion and a small spot where the skin split on the back of your head. Those head wounds bleed like a bitch. No kidding, Rick chuckled. There's blood all over the floor. In the end, they chose to avoid the stitches, thus avoiding the hospital, and told Jason to get some rest. That was fine for him. 
They allowed him to walk down to the first floor to the medic station. It was the first time that Jason had been in the medic station. It reminded him of the nurse's office back in elementary school, with the only difference being that there was an armed guard standing just 10 feet outside the door. He lied on the bed for several hours, fighting drowsiness. One of the few things that the CO had told him was that he needed to avoid falling asleep. He said that he wasn't supposed to sleep when he had a concussion. He didn't know if that were true or not, but felt he had little choice. He was dead tired and wanted the pain to go away. But Leave did little for his pain. He knew that sleep would help. It was coming one way or another. He closed his eyes, feeling sleep's warmth creeping up on him. He was about to doze when he heard a man's voice. Glad to see you're all right. The man's voice was hoarse, like a man who'd smoked three packs a day since he was six months old. Jason opened his eyes. It took a second for his eyes to adjust. When they did, he saw that it was the old man standing in front of him. Oh, shit, Jason said, panicked. He tried moving, but his body wouldn't respond. How'd you get in here? Drive the guard, the old man said. I've been looking to get you alone for three days. Well, here we are. What do you want, Jason asked. He looked at the exit, wondering how long it would take to get out of the room. Whatever it took, he knew he was in too rough of shape to get far. Nothing, the old man said. Well, I shouldn't say that. I want lots of things. No, this visit is because I believe I can do something for you. A pause. Have you heard about the missing guard? No, Jason said. He didn't know what the old man was talking about. Not surprised. It happened this morning. From what I was told, you were probably already unconscious by then. Another pause. You can answer this, though. Did you hit your head because you saw something that you didn't expect to see? Jason nodded, even though he wasn't sure what the old man was referring to. He was vague enough where Jason could answer with a truthful nod. Tell me another thing. Did you see somebody out of your past? Maybe it was the guy that killed your parents? Hell, maybe it was one of your parents. Yeah, Jason said slowly. There was nothing vague about that. The old man had hit it right on the head. How in the hell did he know that? He hadn't said anything more than a mumble to anybody. Could he have been talking out loud after he hit his head? I saw my father. He paused, remembering something else. I also saw the guy that killed him yesterday morning. Not surprised, the old man said, making himself comfortable in a chair next to Jason. I knew that they wouldn't take long to find me. I just never thought that it would be as quick as this. The old man's words raced through Jason's mind without much coherence. He had no idea what the old man was talking about. According to Rick, the old man had been here for a week. Who could have been looking for him and found him in a prison after just a week? Especially one that supposedly didn't exist. Who are you? Jason asked. Oh, I'm sorry, totally slipped my mind. He extended a hand. Matt Zern. Jason reluctantly shook Matt's hand. Jason, he replied, but you already knew that. Yeah, I've been keeping tabs on you for the last eight years or so. Never thought I'd end up in the same prison as you. What in the hell is going on? Jason asked, finally fed up. He didn't like talking to this man and not knowing what the hell he was talking about. He wanted answers, and he wanted them fast. 
You've been staring at me for two days. You've apparently been keeping tabs on me for longer. You knew that I saw the man that murdered my parents and that I might have seen my father. Are you a hallucination or are you going to get down to the meat of this conversation and tell me what the fuck is going on? Jason's rant did a number on his head. His entire skull felt as if it had been placed in a vice. It was squeezing down on him from all sides, ready to pop him like a pimple. Sorry, sorry, Matt said, holding his hands out in defense. I'm getting older. Things don't stay in my mind like they used to. Thoughts have a way of getting away from me. Get on with it, Jason snapped, loud enough that he thought that the guard was going to come in. Nobody came. I'm talking about the man who killed your parents, Matt said. I'm talking about your parents as well. I'm soon going to be talking about the CEO that went missing this morning, because he's dead too. They're all dead, you see. They're still here, though, because they're vampires. Jason stared at him, waiting for him to continue. Matt stayed quiet, staring at Jason as if he were expecting him to say something in return. Was this guy actually serious? Jason had been waiting for the punchline, but realized the guy may believe that he's completely serious. Vampires? You mean like Dracula? You're saying that my parents were murdered by Dracula. Matt seemed to think about it for a few seconds. It's like Dracula, he said. These are vampires, but not in the sense that you believe vampires to be. They bite you in the throat, rise from the dead, die from a stake through the heart, and only go out at night, but that's where the similarities end. These things are far more dangerous than any book, television show, or movie would have you believe. These things are power incarnate. Jason tried sitting up in bed, but Matt placed a hand on his chest, holding him down. You don't want to be doing that, Matt said. You have a concussion. You don't need sleep, and I shouldn't even be talking to you at a time like this. I just didn't know when I'd get another opportunity. This place has ears, and soon we'd have the entire population going crazy about what's going to happen. Are you out of your fucking mind? Jason asked. My parents are dead. I didn't really see my father this morning. I'm well aware that my mind was playing tricks on me. I might have seen the guy that killed him, but I might not have. I don't sleep well, and I have an extreme fear of the dark. I believe that I'm crazy, but I don't think that I can hold a candle to you, old man. If you don't believe me, then how do you take into account the fact that the bodies of both your mother and father disappeared the morning after they'd been murdered? The cops said that my supposed accomplice broke into the morgue and set them free. No, your parents woke up and killed the cops that were supposed to be guarding them. Second question, how come the scissors that you stabbed the killer with have blood from both your mother and father on it? I'll answer that for you. It was because the evil bastard didn't have blood of his own and had just killed them both. He had your parents' blood in him at the time he was stabbed, thus getting that blood on the scissors. After that, how did he survive being pushed down the steps? You said in your interview that you heard bones break, but he still got up. How do you know all this? Jason, my boy, I make it my business to know as much as I can about them as well as everybody they've affected. I have books filled with information back home. Wouldn't the cops have gotten it? You're in prison, after all. They didn't find it, Matt said. If they had, 
I'd be in the loony bin. No, I'm here because of a mistake. I'll get to that later. Right now, I've got to get you to believe in what I'm saying. That's the only way you'll live through this. Live through what? I'll get to that later as well. I have so much more I have to tell you. Jason was becoming irritated with the man. He did have some good points about some of the things that he hadn't been able to explain about how the evidence had all pointed towards him. He'd wondered about the blood on the scissors and why the bodies had been taken. There hadn't been a logical explanation for any of it, but he doubted that Matt's reasoning was any closer to the truth than what he'd already guessed. The truth was that he didn't know what to believe. He never had. He'd always guessed as to what the real reasons were for what happened that night. But hadn't he always thought that the killer resembled a monster? He'd often thought throughout the years that the man could have very well been a monster. Was it really that much of a stretch to believe that he would have been a vampire? Are my parents vampires? Jason asked, remembering that he thought he'd seen his father running through the yard. Matt looked at him with eyes that said, You don't really want to know the answer to that, do you? What he said was, Probably. If you think you saw your father, then you probably did. I've seen a lot of murder victims return as vampires over the years. So, what happens? A vampire sucks their blood and turns them into vampires? He was shocked to find that he was going along with this. He was buying into Matt's story, no matter how ridiculous and improbable it seemed. The fact was that there was no other stories that fit as well as Matt's. He'd searched for answers for years, creating all sorts of possible scenarios with nothing that seemed plausible. This made sense, even if he didn't believe in the existence of vampires. At least, that was not until ten minutes ago. Matt looked up at the clock mounted on the wall. I don't have much time, he said. He told me that I had fifteen minutes. I have less than two minutes to go. We'll have to get together later, at yard time. Just answer my question first. Matt looked as if he wasn't going to answer. He kept looking at the clock on the wall, as if it was going to scream time's up. Then his expression softened. He looked at Jason, speaking quickly, yet clearly. They don't need to drink the blood, although they do. The transformation to vampire is like a virus. Think of it like a fast-acting cancer. It attacks your blood, transforming a human cells into a vampire cells. It spreads throughout the brain first, and then moves on to the rest of the body. Once it has reformatted enough of the body, the heart starts beating once again. Of course, with no oxygen, the brain is shot. That I will talk to you about later. Rest up. I'll see you then. He didn't give Jason the chance to slow him down again. He stood and ran out the door in less than three steps, disappearing from sight. Jason laid there, no longer feeling as if he were ready to fall asleep. He was wide awake and clear-headed. Anything that the concussion had taken away from him was gone now that his mind was processing all of the new information that Matt had given him. The only problem was that he had more questions now than he had before. For the first time in 16 years, he couldn't wait for yard time. Chapter 31 Jason was released from the medical station about an hour after his visit from Matt Zern. Everything he'd said, as improbable as it seemed, kept playing over and over again in his mind. He didn't know what to think. 
One thing was certain. He couldn't wait until it was time to go out to the yard. In the nearly 16 years since the death of his parents, most of which was spent in prison, he hadn't looked as forward to something as he did right now. Despite the improbability of it all, he wanted to hear what Matt had to say. He was talking about vampires. Even if none of what he said was true, he was in for a pretty good story. There was something about the old man, however, that seemed to pique his interest. Despite the throbbing headache, he was able to tell that Matt believed everything he was saying. There wasn't a single hint that he was trying to lie. He looked at Jason and answered almost every question quickly and without much thought. It was as if he were actually speaking the truth. Time wasn't moving fast enough. Due to the concussion, he wasn't allowed to get any sleep for a few hours, leaving him with a lot of time to kill and nothing to do in the meantime. You okay? Rick asked from the underneath bunk. Fine, Jason said without much emotion. His mind was elsewhere, not on Rick and his questions. Just fine. If it helps, you look like shit, Rick said, getting out of bed and standing. Somebody at breakfast told me that you had a visitor, the guy that's been asking about you. Where do you hear these things? Jason asked. I always have my ear to the ground, Rick said. There's nothing in this place that I don't find out about. The guy that was guarding you likes to talk a little too much. I had to persuade him to keep his mouth shut. I didn't want to have to write a letter to his wife telling her that her husband's been fucking one of the nurses. Why do you think he was in that area? Now, did the old man talk to you? Yeah, he talked to me. Did he say something? He claimed to know something about the guy that killed my parents, Jason said. No shit, Rick said. So all that stuff about being innocent was the truth? Yep. Man, I'd always pegged you as one of those characters that says that he's innocent as a way to increase his appeal chances. The cell filled with the sound of a siren. The door to the cell opened slowly with a mechanical grind. It was time for yard. Jason moved down from his bunk. As his feet hit the floor, he felt a dizziness come over him. His knees buckled, and he would have gone down if it weren't for Rick's quick hands. Rick got his hands under Jason's arm, keeping him upright. You sure that you should be going out to the yard? Rick asked. I have to, Jason said. I have a little meeting with the old man. Don't try to break us up either. I want to hear what he has to say. Suit yourself, Rick said. You need help out? I think I'll be fine, Jason said, although he wasn't completely sure. After Rick left, Jason took the time to make his way out to the yard. He followed the predetermined path, thinking about what he was going to say to the old man. He wanted to know if Matt really knew what he was talking about, or if he was full of shit. He hoped that this meeting would go a long ways towards figuring that out. Once he was in the yard, he looked for Matt. It took a moment, but he saw Matt sitting in the vicinity where he'd seen him the day before. Jason walked there as fast as he could, carefully choosing his steps so that he wouldn't fall. His balance had been diminished by the head trauma, making walking more difficult than usual. I started to think you weren't coming, Matt said, offering Jason a seat in the grass next to him. Jason sat and said, I walked as fast as I could. You are aware that I have a concussion, aren't you? Yes, of course. How foolish of me. I apologize. It's all right, Jason said. Now, let's not waste any more time here. 
I want to know everything. Of course you do. I'll tell you, but it'll have to be in my own way. If I ramble, I apologize, but I promise that I will tell you everything as long as time permits. Jason waited patiently as Matt appeared to be composing himself. I know that I've already told you about how they become vampires and that your parents may already be vampires, Matt said. Jason nodded. That's good. Okay. Everything that you've experienced, the deaths, the cover-up, everything, is all connected in the end. We are dealing with the scum of all existence. Leeches, for a lack of a better term. They're not like you've seen in the movies or books. We're dealing with creatures that have never been documented accurately, but exist nonetheless. This I can guarantee. There are no vampires that suck your blood and speak like the Count from Sesame Street. One, ah, ah, ah. He made a passable Count impression. These things are far worse. I guess I'm looking for some kind of a sign. You know, proof that what you're saying is the truth. Proof is something that's a little hard to come by when you're dealing with vampires, Matt said. When you kill them, they burst into flames and become ashes in a matter of seconds. Okay, Jason said, sounding disappointed. What else can you tell me that will convince me that this isn't a big, stinky pile of nonsense? I have a concussion, you know. I need things concise. You're not really letting me tell you this my way, Matt said. You're asking an awful lot of questions. What I am going to do is I'm going to tell you the facts about vampires. I'll leave it up to you to decide if I'm telling the truth or not. If nothing else, I will have made you aware of the situation. As I've already mentioned, vampires are not bloodsuckers, although they do like to feast on humans. There's something about people that gives vampires a certain energy, and it's stored right here. He pointed a finger at his throat. They tear this out with their teeth, not spending much time to drink the blood. They're after a person's energy, and nothing else. What energy? Jason asked. He was completely engrossed in what Matt was saying. Vampires are, in essence, parasites that absorb the life energy of other people, Matt told him. Sure, they can kill animals to ease their cravings, but that's not the same as what's inside a person. Humans carry a certain energy that vampires can absorb by cutting out the front of their throats. Their energy is released in a tidal wave and absorbed by the vampire. He paused. I guess you can say that a vampire is absorbing a person's soul. As you can imagine, those a vampire is killed will become a vampire as well. Biting or even scratching can do this. The cancer is all the same. Another pause as he caught his breath. Most bites will kill you instantly, while a scratch can take a long time to get the poison all the way into your brain. It all depends on the severity of the bite or scratch, and the power of the vampire who doesn't. There are several types of vampires, all of which are determined by the amount of people they've killed. When vampires have absorbed the soul of a person, they gain some of that person's energy and some of their existence. The vampire becomes stronger, more powerful, and will stay that way. Over time, a vampire can become extremely powerful, possibly even gaining supernatural abilities. There are some that can even change shapes. Not bats, like in the movies, but possibly other animals. 
Some vampires can fly. There are others that, well, let's just say that they can do some pretty amazing things. How many types of vampires are there? Jason asked. Are there different kinds? As I've already said, it's all based on how many people they've killed, Matt said. The weakest vampire are what I like to call the grunts. These are the newest vampires that have recently been converted. They are connected to the vampire that converted them through some sort of telepathy. These vampires basically are for one purpose, and that's killing. Next we have the second level vampires, which I like to call power vampires. This is where I believe your parents are. These are the first vampires that show some ability to think for themselves, and usually are connected to the grunt vampires that they've converted. They usually lead small groups of vampires on recruiting missions, killing others along the way. The third level is leader vampires. This is the level at which the man that killed your parents is at. This I'm almost completely sure of. They can think for themselves and are linked to every vampire that they've converted below them, which can sometimes be as many as two or three hundred. In the case of your vampire, I suspect that it might be slightly more. Also, these vampires usually have supernatural strength and many abilities. They are extremely deadly and almost impossible to kill. I've faced over a hundred vampires in my time and have never faced one of these head on. I wouldn't like my chances if I had. You've faced? Jason asked. Are you something like a vampire hunter? Something like that, Matt said. Please, let me finish. These things have a way of getting away from me. Jason became quiet. There is one more level above that, but I'm not ready to talk about him right now. He's a subject I don't like to talk about. You said that you were going to tell me everything, Jason said. How am I supposed to believe you if you don't want to tell me everything? Talk. I don't like to talk about him, Matt said, seeming to rise in nervousness. He took deep breaths and started looking around. I guess I don't have much of a choice. He took another deep breath. There's one vampire, possibly the first of their kind, that's more powerful than any other. Legend says that this vampire can't be killed. Legend also says that he's connected to every other vampire telepathically, and you don't want to piss him off. They say that killing too many vampires at one time will result in him coming, and killing everything in his way. I don't know if that part is true, but I've never wanted to test it. I might be getting up there in years, but I haven't had the courage to test my luck. Does this vampire have a name? Probably, but I don't know it. I've always referred to him as the Vampire Lord. I've heard vampires refer to him as that as well. With everything that Matt had said up to this point, Jason was skeptical, but intrigued. He knew what he'd seen all those years ago. From large teeth to the inhuman ability to get stabbed, fall down the stairs, and get back up. Everything Matt said seemed to fit somehow, no matter how far from reality it seemed. Until now, he hadn't believed in vampires or any creature of the dead. Now, he wasn't so certain that they didn't exist. The strangest feeling was that there was hope. He may be in prison for killing his parents, but he now clung to the hope that there may be a way to see his mother and father one final time, even though it could signal the end of his life when he did. As far as he was concerned, he'd been dead for over 15 years. 
dying physically would be nothing more than the icing on the cake. There was one question that came to him that he needed to know. It was something that the killer had said to him while he was trying to break into the police car. It was also something he'd heard once or twice in his dreams, a random thought that had caught his attention. What does death has come mean? Matt looked at him for a moment before saying anything. That, I believe, may be the biggest question of all, Matt said, not going into it any further. He remained silent, dismissive. How do you know so much about vampires? Jason asked. Matt gave a half-hearted smile as he looked back at Jason. His expression told Jason that the answer to the question was something that he really didn't want to talk about. He suspected that Matt would talk, though. Jason looked around the yard. He wanted to be sure that neither one of them was being overheard. The last thing he needed was for somebody to overhear that they were discussing vampires. That would earn them a first-class trip to a beatdown. I'm sure that if we spend much time together that I'd let it slip anyway, Matt said, his smile faltering. He kept looking around at his prison surroundings. There are two sources for most of my information. As you've probably figured, I'm not psychic, and I'm no genius. I have obtained a book titled The Truth About Vampires by some anonymous writer. Whoever wrote that book has got his shit together. He knows what's going on. He paused, taking a deep breath. His second source seemed to need a little preparation. Most of what I know I've learned from my daughter, Laura. I don't get it, Jason said. How can your daughter... Jason didn't finish the question, as he seemed to understand. He became quiet, wanting to hear the man say it. Yes, my daughter is a vampire, Matt said, tears filling his eyes as he spoke. She's been a vampire for 13 years now. She died when she was eight. She's been hunting and killing ever since. How do you get information from her? Jason asked. I mean, if she's a vampire, how could she be giving you info? Do you remember what I said about vampires gaining the ability to think for themselves as they grow more powerful? Matt asked, the tears starting to disappear. She started coming to me in dreams about ten years ago. I think she wants me to find her. I think she wants me to kill her. Jason thought about some of the things he'd seen, the images in his mind that seemed so real. Could his mother or father be sending him dreams? What about when he was still relatively new to the prison? Hadn't he seen some things that... No, he wasn't going to think about that. There were some things he just couldn't go back to. Why would your daughter want you to kill her? Jason asked. Like I've said, as time has passed, she has been able to think for herself, Matt replied. I believe that she's ashamed of what she has become. It wants me to end it. She's been keeping me informed through my dreams as to where they are and where they're heading. Unfortunately, their target has changed. What? I was arrested, Matt said. I slipped up. I was attacked by a group of grunt vampires. I fought them off until the morning sun came up. As the sun rose, one of them, in desperation, got the best of me. They threw something at me that struck me in the side of the head. He slammed his palm against the left side of his head, mimicking the impact. I made it into a heavily lit area and fell unconscious. 
They arrested you for the crimes, Jason said. It wasn't a question. Correct. The people they killed were still in the house. They had been killed far too close to morning, so there was no immediate transformation. The cops busted me, calling me your copycat killer. Jason knew of the name. I was convicted of ten murders quietly. Nobody came to the court hearing. They kept everything so sealed that the jury barely knew what was going on. They sent me here. Because this is where Wisconsin sends the prisoners they want to forget about, Jason finished. So I've learned, Matt said. I never thought in a million years that I would see you, the only other person that I know of that has escaped a vampire attack. Then how did that guy write a book? Jason asked. That's a good point, Matt said. Let's just say in the last 20 years then, shall we? How do we kill them? Jason asked, changing the subject. Crosses, stakes, garlic, and sunlight? The only proven way is stakes, Matt said. I've killed more than 20 vampires, and I can confidently say that the only way to kill them that I know of is with a stake through the heart. As far as the other supposed theories about how to kill a vampire, they don't like the smell of garlic, but will keep coming after you even if you're bathed in the stuff. Crosses have no special powers against them, since this has nothing to do with religion in any way. I've been wearing a cross since before my daughter died, and I've had my share of close calls. Also, I've actually seen one or two vampires in daylight. They become less susceptible to sunlight the more powerful they become. They still can't stay in the daylight, but they can show resistance. Do they use coffins? Jason asked. No, Matt answered. They like dark, cool places such as basements and cellars. There isn't a whole lot of sleeping, though. Books and movies have you believing that they sleep in coffins during the day. There are no coffins, and I've been in a basement with four vampires in it at high noon. I almost died that day because they were waiting for me. So, you really are some kind of vampire slayer, Jason said. A uh, vigilante of the undead? It's something like that, Matt said. So, that's about everything I can think of at the moment. Do you have any questions? I have many, but I don't exactly know where to start. I guess the obvious question is, why are you telling me all this? What does any of this have to do with me? Do you remember me saying that we were all in danger this morning? Yes. The vampires are invading this prison looking for me, Matt said. They will kill everybody they come across until they find me. It'll only be a matter of time before they figure out that you're here as well. If there's one thing I know about vampires, it's that they don't forget and that you're probably high on their shit list. Matt looked at him for a few moments. A hand went to his chin, rubbing underneath. I had dreams before my parents died, Jason said. I saw blood and teeth. Really? Matt asked. He seemed genuinely surprised. If what you said about your daughter sending me images is true, then who in the hell was sending them to me? I don't know, Matt said. That is another very good question. Several minutes of silence followed. After some time, Matt finally spoke. You don't believe me, do you? I don't know what to believe anymore, Jason said. He looked down at the tattoo. The face of the man who'd killed his parents the same man that he'd seen a little over 30 hours ago, 
was looking back up at him. Was he really a vampire? Were his parents now vampires? How am I supposed to believe something like this? You're asking me to believe in something that seems so impossible. I will not ask for you to believe in anything I've said, Matt said, as the siren sounded signaling for them to go inside. He stood as he continued to speak. I want you to pay attention to what happens tonight. If another CO goes missing, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow. They were walking towards the entrance together. If you start believing me, we can move on to the next step. Next step? Jason asked. Escape. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing. 